everyone. Welcome to Making Data Speak. And I'm your host, Sachin Tonk. The amount of data we produce every day is truly mind-boggling. 90% of today's data is created in the last two years. The current pace of data capturing poses a significant challenge for data professionals in terms of how to manage and utilize the data. Making Data Speak podcast series is the result of my passion to explore both the art and science of data. In each episode, we unveil the hidden stories, connect points, and paint the data picture for businesses and consumers together with thought leaders and experts across the region. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or www.sachintong.com. Stay tuned for more. Every industry is going through the disruption and the key challenge is how to manage this quantum of disruption where creativity and thinking out of the box is critical. So my key questions and points which we will discuss are who will play the pivotal role data scientist or data artist in this disruption times? Who will be able to better connect data dots? Who will be able to translate or facilitate solutions for business users? Who will be able to paint a data picture and connecting data points by storytelling? To discuss this more, I am joined by Graham, who is an CEO and founder of Pickle & Co. and has hosted over 750 plus podcasts and has AI degree. He is also an author of published books on storytelling and communication, including Brand Love, How to Build a Brand We're Talking About, and The Mobile Youth, Voices of Mobile Generation. Welcome, Graham. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. So let me start with data scientist versus data artist. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I suppose if you look at some of the great scientists of any generation, they were probably both, right? I mean, if you think of people like the Einsteins, the sort of typical scientist that people think about when we think of great genius scientists, they were part artists as well. I think, you know, Einstein played a violin famously, but he was a great storyteller as well. Richard Feynman as well, famous for his lectures, you know, a physicist who could engage people through art. So I think, you know, ultimately there are two pathways, but they join at the end. The people who really excel, who excel in science are also great artists. I don't think they're separable at the top level of peak performance. No, uh, thanks, Ram, for that. But um, yeah, so definitely both skill sets uh, should be synergized and should be joined, you know, to get the best output, right? But, you know, the thing which which bothers me right now is that every, as I mentioned, every industry is going through the disruption, right? And, and the pace is very fast, right? It is like unprecedented times, you know, people are changing and, this disruption has not left any industry behind, right? It's just every every industry has to reinvent their business model, how to do business, how to let people work from home, different places, social distancing and all those things, right? Um, based on my interaction with people who, because I myself manage a lot of data scientists in my current portfolio, right? Whenever my interaction with data scientists is, they are very hungry to prove their 
knowledge by using models, statistics, maths. But I sometimes uh, struggle to find out the business acumen or the business aptitude to see from a from a business lens to solve a problem. Right? I think what I am seeing is that they put technology, models, stats, maths, variables on first priority rather than you know data or the business use case on first. So, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, this is very typical of any technical discipline. I mean, it could be programming, it could be data science, it could be engineering. And really the challenge is just that we have to start with understanding what the problem is. And if you're a data scientist, you can have great models, great visualizations. However, really the genesis of that is understanding what the problem is that we're trying to solve. And we see this, for example, I mean, if you step outside of data science for a, a while and look at, for example, like Lego, you know, Lego has become one of the most valuable private companies in the world. You know, it's privately held Danish company and it's plastic bricks. And who would have thought in an era of digital tools and online and you know, remote working, that one of the most popular toys for kids and adults now is our plastic bricks. And interestingly, the reason why Lego was able to survive in the modern era and not be obsolete, not become like a hula hoop or a space hopper or one of those sort of toys that faded away in previous generations is because they made their engineers get out of the labs and go and see what the customers were doing with the products. And around about 2000, Lego nearly went bankrupt. And this was, you know, Lego is the pride. You speak to any Danish person and they're proud of Lego. It's almost like Danish heritage. And so when Lego went to the Danish government and said, look, and to the board, the private investors and said, look, we're going bankrupt. They were very apologetic because this was part of Danish legacy that was disappearing. When they brought the new CEO in, he said, the first thing I did was I said to all those engineers, you know, the equivalents of the data scientists today, right? I want you out there interacting with the customers. And the first thing they they found when those scientists, those Lego scientists got out of the labs and went and spent time with the customers was actually the biggest buyers of Lego. It wasn't kids, it was the parents. And they realized that parents not only were buying the Lego for their kids, but they were also using it for themselves. And they discovered a whole new segment of customers they had never seen before, which they called adult fans of Lego. And that's why if you go to a store now, you can buy a thousand dollar Lego sets of the Millennium Falcon and things like this. So to your point about data science, it's like, what is the problem we're solving? And are we finding that problem analyzing graphs or are we out there interacting with customers? No, that, that, that's, that's a great view. So let's bring this topic back to your industry, right? Your industry is also going through a lot of disruption, right? And um, in my opinion that, um, you know, podcasts and webinars are way to go forward now, keeping social distancing in mind. The message has to come across, right? So 
how you are actually managing disruption using the data and using the things which is changing fast, right? And how you are leveraging and you are yourself is a graduate in artificial intelligence, right? You you come with that mindset, right? So what is your uh, kind of view and how you are doing it in, in your own uh, organization? Data is important without a doubt. And you think about what data is. Data isn't just numbers, but data is insight. Data is experience. These are just data points, right, which you use to make a decision. We use data to help make better decisions, but the data isn't the decision itself. For example, that we can help inform clients about what subjects they should be talking about in their podcasts. But then the decision is theirs based on their experience. And I I feel that the key with data is to understand it's important, but it isn't the decision itself. We've had data for thousands of years. You know, this isn't something new. If you go back a thousand years in history, if you go back in English history, for example, I studied at school, you know, the thousand years ago, King Harold decided to collect data about all the people of the land and called it the Doomsday Book. And it documented what people owned, how much income they were getting from the land, their livestock and so on. So we've had data for thousands of years and we've used it in war, We've used it throughout history. We've created maps. These are all data. So I think the key here, Sachin, is is that understanding that data itself isn't anything special. It's how we use the data that's important. How I mean, this is your point about science and art. It's always been there. The art is understanding how to turn that data into a a story. And that's really important. I think people look at data and they think, oh, wow, I have data, therefore... I have something new. I have some technology which nobody had access to before. We've always had data. And the key is not to get lost on that, to understand what really matters. And what we use is the ability to turn that data into an insight. I think this uh, turning data into insight has become a very big principle for a lot of companies, right? I come from financial industry, right? We have now, like last five years or seven years, we have actually created... um, designated roles and specialized people uh, and there are departments uh, you know which are termed as uh, you know data and insights right which is there and I also wanted to bring your get your perspective you know right now there is a huge huge technology advancement in way we are capturing the data almost we are able to capture everything how i move how i dance how i i go uh, is everything right from your whatever right financial personal physical whatever all the, the data and on the other day i was reading a very good article about it that in next term, 150 to 200 years we will run out of the space of storing the data the way we are capturing the speed is is lightning and so what is your view or advice to organizations who are storing the data and not really understanding, you know, the volume is so much because it it creates a new problem, how to manage and how to generate insights on this quantum of data. So what's your take on that? There was a study very recently, I think it was an IBM study that said that we've captured more data in the last two years than we have in the whole of human history. And that's in the last two years we have problems, and I'm sure you're aware of it, these vast data lakes, as they're called now, lakes of data, this dark data that sits on corporate service, servers unused. And 
just there, we're capturing massive amounts of data. And obviously, we're all generating data in everything that we do. And, you know, we now, for example, in, in our company, using machine learning to crunch audio and understand, for example, from this conversation, what the key sentiments were, what the key entities were that we could learn, you know, names, subjects, topics, emotions. So everything we're doing is being turned into data. And now that raises the question for us as corporate leaders is what do we do with all this data? Because exponentially, it's growing. Now, the challenge here is understanding that data itself is not value. What is valuable is what can we do with this data? And the data itself has no intrinsic value. You know, if you look, for example, at climate change as an example if you google climate change now there's a billion search results a billion search results on google so again there's plenty of data out there and we've known about climate change for 120 years sachin it's not like we've just found out about climate change there was a swedish scientist in the late 19th century that warned us about coal burning affecting the atmosphere in the late 19th century that was two centuries ago, effectively. So we've known the data for hundreds of years. So we've had data, we've not acted upon it. That's the point. The key is how do you turn the data into action? So the challenge for us corporate leaders is we're being overwhelmed, drowned with data. What we need are the people who can say, all right, this is what this means to us. And we need to nurture the skills, the art of the science, which is being able to tell stories about data. And Greta Thunberg, the Swedish teenager who stood before the UN and talked about climate change, she was effectively able to do that. She presented the data to the UN and all the delegates in front of her and the world media. But she told a better story and she said, you have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. You know, that was an extremely powerful story that this generation had betrayed the generation who are now to inherit the world, you know, this and the problems of climate change. And Forbes labeled her as one of the most powerful, or one of the world's most powerful women. She was 16 years old. Yep, yep. That is the power of story that we have enough data now, folks. The key is we need to nurture the, key, the skill of making that connect with people in an emotional way. Oh, it, absolutely. So uh, that story, like one night, you know, she was a kind of star and, you know, she got amazing. The passion, the way she was telling the story was amazing, right? It was like, it shook the world and it shook the world in the right sense, right? Sometime you need the right kind of spark to make an impact, right? I, I think that's very well said on that part, right? So, so Graham, now I noticed that you've been uh, on a little bit of hiring as well. I saw, you know, so you have a data scientist and you have a data artist, right? Two genius guys, you know, and you have to give, you have to choose one, right? Now there is, I'm not giving you the third option, right? You know, I'm, I'm going to reject both and I'm going to, I'm going to try to find who has both the skills, right? That's a little diplomatic answer, right? So I really want to pick up your brain here is that, you know, you only have A or B, right? A great data scientist and one is second is data artist. So what will be your vote and who will you pick up? 
So, well, let's define them first, right? <laughs> so, what, what is a data scientist and what is a data artist in your words? So, I've got to be, so I understand what I'm choosing between. So, what's a data scientist, actually? The way I see data scientists, which comes with a lot of math, stats, technical aptitude of bringing the data and try to find out or try to unreveal the insights of data using science, right? For example, if I ask data scientists that, okay, I need to prove that my variable X is indirectly or directly impacted by my variable ABC, right? I need to prove this to my management, right? I need to prove this. And based on these models and output, can you help me which model will be able to predict this or to show this correlation in the best optimal way? So I will be discussing with him from a perspective of statistics, in a perspective of maths, model, basically some kind of R Python languages, which he will be able to, to generate this idea in using that. But he will not be able to give me any value add in terms of what data he's seeing. Hey, you are talking about correlating with X with ABC, but I think X will better correlate with DEF or, you know, other way of looking at it, right? So I think he will be more uh, focused on implementing things rather than solutioning or rather than putting more thought process and trying to understand more from a business or from a vision perspective. That is purely my way or my experience with data scientists. On the other hand, when I talk about data artists, right, he will not worry about any technology uh, right now. He will not worry about model. He will not worry about any variables. He will not worry about any kind of uh, technical thing. First, he will be worrying about, you know, what data is trying to tell, what kind of data we are trying to capture, what is our business problem or what we are trying to achieve, what are our hypotheses, right? What is our basic premise of discussing on this point, right? And then he will try to throw some fresh perspective and then he will try to paint some picture on the data. Have we look about this? Can we do like this? Or, 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 or then based on those hypotheses, some key outputs will lead to a discussion with people who are very strong in stats and maths and which can scientifically prove the hypothesis which we are trying to work on, right? So I'll give you one real example in, in my... So basically what we did was we were trying to identify that, you know, how how is the reaction of people when there are more trainings thrown at them because from a financial perspective, from a legal perspective, compliance perspective, because we in the bank are supposed to be doing a lot of trainings from a regulatory perspective, compliance perspective and all those things, right? What we found out, you know, the timing when the, the trainings are... Uh, put on the kind of list for each employee makes a huge difference. The attention on the trainings or the people who spend more time on learning, right, is also very critical. If there are few periods where where people are already tied up with a lot of activities as their deliverables and the trainings comes into picture, the whole idea of the training goes. So all those hidden data points helped us to identify the right 
time frame and the zones when and the quantity of trainings like you know two trainings three trainings based on 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 the level of engagement right so that's my kind of differentiation between science and art interesting i'm not going to answer your question directly straight off i'm not going to be drawn into making a decision on it but let's sort of talk around the subject a little bit so as i understand that a data scientist is looking more logically than numbers and the methodologies and he's approaching it in an empirical way as you would a science and the data artist is really at the decision-making level of what do we focus on and what does this mean? And in theory, those are both needed. You need both to make good decisions. Now, the question is, is, is to what extent can those be done by human beings and by machine, which is another question. But if you look, for example, go back to the Greta Thunberg example, you need to create change. You need both the scientist to do the research and the artist to be able to convey that research to a, the world in a way that can be meaningful to them. So you need both the scientist and the artist to work together. Now, within an organization, I guess the challenge is, is long-term. Which one of those is does an organization need to have more of? My personal opinion would be that in time, data science will become automated because if that business is a business of crunching numbers, then, and it's a science, it's purely as an engineering discipline, then the machines will be able to do that better. In the same way, for example, in medicine, a machine can scan and recognize for example, a dermatologist can recognize skin cancer scans visually as a human being, but a computer can do it much faster and much more accurately. So therefore, you know, the science part where you can task the machine to deliver you an insight or a result confirming or challenging your hypothesis can be done better by machines. So I feel, for example, if we look 10 years out, data science is soon going to become an algorithm. And therefore, it will push all those data scientists up into the discipline of art. Those that cannot, you know, cannot adapt and evolve will simply be replaced by machines. And those that do evolve will become artists in that fact. I mean, look at, you know, for example, the word computer, Sachin, the word computer used to be used for a human being. A computer was a statistician in the 19th century. That's what people don't realize. A computer was a person who took a pen and paper and calculated numbers and formula. You know, for example, when they mapped India, they used computers, right? And that's the insight that we have to be wary of. That pattern will happen again. That data scientists will be replaced by machines. And therefore, you, we have to decide what do we do in this industry? Do we compete against a machine or do we elevate our skills? So I haven't really answered your question, but if you were choosing between, if I was choosing a career between data science and data art, I would adopt what they call like a T-shaped career pathway, which is I would specialize in data science, which is the, you know, the bar of the T, the vertical bar. And then as I get more experienced, I would become a generalist. And that generalist is the person who can see experience and patterns and tell stories about them. 
So if I was starting out now, that would be my long-term goal in this industry. I haven't answered your question directly, but I'm not going to be t- drawn into a binary decision <laughs> about science versus art because I think you need them both, right? Yeah, actually, I failed in my attempt. I, I wanted to pull you up for this. <laughs> I, I failed miserably. But Graham, thanks for it. I think I like the statement and I, I, I which, which kind of aligned with my thought process as well, right? The way... Uh, new technologies and um, models or things are coming, Uh, data science and generating models and creating models will be replaceable and it will become more kind of, you know, use technology and you will be able to. In fact, in current projects as well, what we are trying to do is we are based on historical data, we are trying to predict the trends, right? I remember two years back, three years back, we used to struggle a lot in creating models and all those things. Now, we have kind of tools available where they predefine models, right? You just need to prepare your historical data, push that historical data in those engines, right? And the engine will understand the variables, data points, and they will start the even recommending you that these are 60 to 70 models, uh, which is relevant based on your data elements and data points. And out of 60 to 73 or four models you can pick and you can train them and you can actually use them in your uh, business and in, in your business scenario. And the effort has reduced significantly because it's like a plug and play kind of thing. And I I totally, Graham, I totally agree with your statement that data scientists will need that, you know, the width of creativity as well as the experience in terms of art and, you know, just thinking about how to do things a little bit differently, right? Not the repetitive mode. So coming back to this, right, which is very evident that we need both, right? We need both. We need the the depth of both, right? And art is something which you cannot learn on a one day, right? You can spend two years and you can be technically qualified that you are able to code that, right? But but the tricky part is that art is, is something, some people are born with it, some people are struggle years and years and they cannot have that kind of creativity what, what others are born with, that, that, that's it. But do you think that the data science discipline right, when it comes to fresh graduates, fresh universities, there should be some kind of change in the curriculum as well, where they should be embedding some kind of, you know, thought process, at least getting the seeds in the mind of new aspirants, right, who are taking data science as, a, as, as their uh, profession to start thinking about contributing more from an art and from that perspective, or do we leave just, you know, start with data science, have experience, do a number of projects, and eventually you will have a lot of creativity because of your experience. So what's your take, Graham, on that? Yeah, this is a challenge because there's a big focus now on training the next generation in data science. And what's happening now is across the world, this has become core to many you know statistical based or engineering based curriculums if you do it now a big part of it is data science and machine learning and interestingly what it means is that it's an extremely competitive environment in the same way if you were to go back let's say 20 years ago and you were a coder let's say you graduated coding c plus plus or java you know you probably it would have been you know, well-paid, but in time you would have 
soon be competing in a global market because those skills got soon picked up by Indian graduates as well. And that marketplace then became very flat. And, you know, the co- the salaries that those coders once had in the late 90s got depressed, right? And I think we'll see the same with data science is that this stage at this early sort of window where the market is still catching up, data science can command a high salary. But in time the macroeconomic factors, the supply and demand of data science will drive the salaries of those graduates down significantly. And increasingly, as it becomes automated, and you look, for example, like in the coding world, the push towards no code, as an example, that is being taken away. Now, that really means that we have to help those graduates understand that simply having data science skills is not enough. That is the beginning. Those are the bricks, but you've got to learn how to build. You've got to learn how to, you know, lay those bricks and build a wall or even build a house, right? You've got to learn to design a house, not just lay bricks. And that is really important that maybe people are graduating thinking that because they can understand statistical analysis or model or regression analysis or, you know, using Tableau or any, these kind of tools, that's not enough because you're competing with people in India now who will happily take that job for a tenth of what you could get it in another country, right? And there is absolutely no difference. And to be honest, a lot of the Indian graduates are, are more skilled and certainly more hungry to take that job and prove themselves. This is a real challenge, especially in successful economies like Singapore, for example, where graduates are, are leaving university with data science type jobs, I'm oh, sorry, degrees. They don't have a GitHub account. They maybe have one or two projects under their belts. But they have to understand in the competitive global marketplace, they're like junior league now. And why, especially now with this work from home uh, culture, which has become pervasive, why would an employer in Singapore hire somebody in Singapore for 10 times the salary plus all the tax they could pay somebody in India who is more skilled, more ambitious and has GitHub? projects, internships to their name. That's a real challenge and a problem. And I should be, I think anybody in education should be asking very tough and uncomfortable questions about what we're doing with the next generation. That's great grammar. I think that's great news for Indians who will be listening to this, right? So they stand a lot of chance. And um, I come from India myself, right? So the environment there is, I think whether uh, the hunger is there because we the, the population, the size, for everything we have to kind of, you know, fight for it. And not everybody is born with silver, uh, silver spoon, right? So that aptitude and attitude to fight for everything, right, is makes people hungry. So I, I think, Ram, thanks. Uh, the people who will be listening in India will will be very motivated about it. But yeah, I think the big takeaway is is that, you know, they have to also think that they have to compete on the world forum, right? And at the same time, if cost is to their advantage they and they they want to have that advantage maintained right they have to think from a creativity and from from what additional skill they can bring on the table which will make them league apart that's one that's thing. the art right yeah, yeah that's, not, the, that's the additional yeah. skill that layer which you cannot outsource 
Yeah. So Graham, I think we kind of sailing towards the same direction that both are inseparable and it has to be the right balance, right? I was thinking that I'm going to muscle you up and, uh, you know. <laughs> you could try. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still trying. I'm, I'm still trying, but but yeah. So, so yes, data science alone itself will not do ma- magic data art without proving data scientifically. I can paint a picture, right? But at the same time, when it goes to the people to accept it, it has to be scientifically be proven, right? And definitely. Well, I'll give you an example, Sachin. Yeah. This is for your listeners to think about. We went to the moon in 1969, which is a very long time ago. It's 50 years ago. And it was a world where, for those that weren't born there and grew up there, like most probably of the listeners, that we had black and white TV, but we landed on the moon. It's incredible to think about that as an achievement. And obviously, it was fundamentally an achievement of data in that you had 400,000 engineers, 400,000 working on that project, the Apollo program. And they got to the moon with technology. They had a four megabyte computer, right? Four. Consider what we have today with our smartphones. You know, these are gigabytes, but they had a four megabyte mainframe computer. And they got to the moon. They made all those calculations. You think about all the calculations they had made about escape velocity, orbit, all that. They had to do all that to get to the moon. They'd never been there before. So that was a triumph of data. And yet it took a story to get man to the moon, mankind to the moon. And it took John F. Kennedy to stand stand before Congress in 1961 and say, we have the vision of putting man on the moon and bringing him home safely before the end of the decade. I paraphrase, but something like that. And the point is that without that story, all of that data that they collected would have been meaningless. So that's a, a great example of how it all works together. You need 400,000 engineers to crunch the data, to build the rockets, to train the astronauts, and to monitor everything. However, you need that leader who is the artist to stand in front of everybody and bring everybody together to make them feel that, I'm doing this for a reason. And there was a great story where John F. Kennedy was walking around the NASA command and he was walking through the corridors and he bumped into a janitor and the janitor was cleaning the floor and he stopped and he talked to the janitor and said, hey janitor, what do you do around here? And he said, I'm helping put a man on the moon. And that's the power of story and art. And that is how these can work well together. And I think you can't have one without the other. No, I think, Graham, I totally agree with you. So, well said. And thanks for your uh, story again, which is very motivating. So, I think definitely. So, the way I'm concluding with your thought process as well, which is again aligned, uh, is that, you know, both is inseparable. In silos, both will be a failure. If we want uh, to have the optimal result, we definitely need creativity with science, right? Creativity to start with, 
right? What is your picture? What is your vision? And what is your hypothesis? And what data storytelling you want to do it? And then you achieve with with the science and prove it scientifically that okay, what it is, it is happening. And I've seen both uh, this happening together in in this pandemic, right? All the news channels and all the the pharma companies they are actually telling every day interesting stories right recently they're uh, based on the data and the storytelling who also said that they will be looking at the airborne transmission of the virus they will be doing study using the existing and the data right that okay what is the risk of this covid-19 virus is spreading through airborne right so very interesting time very disruptive time a lot of uncertainty but when there is uncertainty there is opportunity right for everybody and i personally feel data is always important but now data is is much much more important and the people who are associated with this kind of industry profession they have a great opportunity to play their part and data scientists data artists having both the skills will make a real winner so that's the way i think ram this is the way to go about it and there is a lot of good insights for people who are right now in their teens and thinking about what and how to choose about career in data and storytelling i think that's the way to go about it and gram any final thoughts before we conclude or before uh, i announce myself as a winner <laughs> Is that have you scientifically proven that? So I don't. I, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've I've really enjoyed this, and it's a great conversation. I'm I'm passionate about data and storytelling, and I think that they are a great partnership. And that I would like to see. I'm looking forward to seeing in this series how your guests work those two together, and they're going to have different viewpoints and perspectives. and i feel we collectively as an industry will be learning this like moving forward and you are a storyteller yourself sachin right i mean this is what you're doing now and you know that is you are obviously an expert in data but you have this ability to lead which is to connect and you manage people and that's really important with all of this is that those are the skills which a machine cannot do yet not for at least a foreseeable future and i'll i'll leave your listeners with a thought about data and that is something to think over that if any of your guests or listeners pick this up then I'd like to hear or maybe you can message satin about this statistically you're more likely to die of cancer if you wear a seat belt in your car right i want your listeners to think about that statistically that's true now you need to think it through to think of why that is true but that's the point is that data on its own doesn't make sense you need somebody to be able to frame that data and interpret it and make sense of it for you you know the average person in the world has 1.99 legs but you'll never see that average person and that's important that's why we need people to interpret and turn data into stories because without a story it's meaningless so who are those storytellers sachin it's going to be interesting in your series to discover how they're doing it and by the way storytelling isn't just once upon a time you mention covid as an example well 
flattening the curve is a story. You know, it's not necessarily what we class a story in fairy tale terms, but using an analogy is a story. And that is a very powerful story. And look how that has transmitted across the world. I'm talking about the story of flattening the curve. Whoever came up with that was a great storyteller. And that is a classic example of how you take data and help people understand it in emotional terms. I understand a curve and flattening what it is. So the challenge is out there. Who are the storytellers that can take data and the equivalent of flattening the curve, tell those kind of stories and help us understand very complex things in simple terms. I'm looking forward to seeing what your series yields. And I don't think you won. I think it may be a rematch at some point. Definitely. I'm, I'm up for it. But Graham, thanks for your valuable thoughts. It was it was a great debate and discussion, right? And I really enjoyed and learned a lot as well. So and uh, i think it's not it's not a question about win or lose right but we will definitely have a rematch yeah that that's all on the table for sure but i think data is the real winner and the way data has to be used and the way the data has to be visualized and the data has to be scientifically proved again data and insights will be the game changer right right now the biggest challenge for human mankind and for our generation is how to defeat this covid-19 and data is playing its its part, right? Uh, we are doing contact tracing. We are doing so much things, and data is the one and which is which is helping. And now we have also seen some good news on vaccine. Again, the trials of vaccine, reaction of vaccine is also being driven by data and scientifically proven how the medicine will work. So I think data is the real winner in uh, in our discussion. And again, to conclude, data science is not complete without art, right? And vice versa, if you have artistic mindset, creativity, that's great. But at the same time, you should have the ability to to at least prove scientifically. If you can't implement scientifically, at least you should have a mechanism of or detailed understanding how you can prove it scientifically. And you can reach out to the people like Graham to help you on on proving scientifically. I'm, I'm sure, Graham, you will definitely give a helping hand to people. And uh, yeah, so I think I'm looking forward for my series as well. We will discuss more uh, interesting topics and um, and a lot of good insights. But Graham, it was, it was a pleasure talking to you and it was very, very insightful. And likewise, I enjoyed. Graham, thanks for taking time out. And I know you're a busy schedule, but, but thanks for taking time out. Thank you, Sachin. Thanks, Graham. You have been listening to your host, Sachin Talk, on Making Data Speak. Always remember that this is your podcast and you can contribute to the topics and themes for this series. I'm very hungry to hear from you to make this journey of Making Data Speak a success. So please leave your views and comments on LinkedIn, Facebook, or www.sachintong.com We will be back with brand new episode in the next two weeks. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen.